All right, thank you for being here. Tonight I'm, I'm tasked with an awesome task. We're going we're gonna to have a discussion here this evening, and it's going to be based on the title, Kingdom-Minded. Kingdom-Minded. It's a phrase that can be used a lot of times in the Western church, especially trying to be or wanting to achieve kingdom-mindedness. So at the top of your handout here is where I'm beginning right now. Being kingdom-minded has become quite the anomaly. We certainly see this in the current day in which we live. The Bible states that the Lord is looking for a people who are seeking for His kingdom first. Key word first there. Matthew 6.33 says, and I quote, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. End quote. The goal of our lives should not be to only obtain position or title within the kingdom of God. If our focus is strictly ambition-driven, then we will miss out on what kingdom-mindedness is truly all about. Being kingdom-minded is not only seeing the Lord in everything that we do, but it is also seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in other people as well. We must begin to see other people as God sees them. When we begin to look at situations in our lives as opportunities for God to work, and we start seeing people as God sees them, our focus will then only be the kingdom. It's important for us to to have an understanding here tonight that God desires for every single person to be kingdom-minded. Sometimes if we're not careful, we will allow certain things that happen within the church to be for only specific people within the church. However, kingdom-mindedness does not fall in one of those categories. Regardless of what you're able to be involved in, regardless of how much you volunteer, although I encourage you to do more, regardless of what position you may uphold or whatever title it is that you've obtained, whether it's in the church or outside of it, God is calling Now, he's calling each and every one of us to be kingdom, kingdom kingdom-minded. And so, upon saying that, we're going to take a deeper dive into what that looks like here tonight. Let's get into some of the nuts and bolts here. So, um, we see these kingdom characteristics play out in full display. And our our focus, the emphasis is going to be put on 1 Samuel 17. Is everybody with me here? Praise God. All right. We're going, let's go through uh, just a, a few few scriptures here to begin. We will uh, we'll, we'll work through these and then we'll, we'll come back to these a little later and, and, and add, add some definition to these. So 1 Samuel 17 and 2. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Praise God. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. To verse 4, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. To verse 7, and Jesse said unto David his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp of thy brethren. Verse 18, and carry these ten cheeses into the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. In verse 25 and 26. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel he has come up. David responds, and this is a beautiful response. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
So to get started here, I, I, want, I want to label out for you three things people should see in you. Kingdom-mindedness just isn't something that we keep trapped within our own mind, if you're taking it literally. Kingdom-mindedness isn't just the thought process in which we operate. Kingdom-mindedness should be on display 24-7, 365 days a year. Can I get an amen on that? People passing by should be able to see that you have an objective or a goal. Or they should be able to spend a very small amount of time around you and almost immediately understand the objectives that you're setting out to conquer in life. Number one on this list, and this is going to be your your first opportunity to fill this in. They should see God at the center of our lives. That's number one. They should see God at the center of our lives. To be kingdom-minded is to keep God at the center of all that we do. We are aware of our actions and whether they would glorify God. I'm going to challenge you here tonight, and I'm going to continue to challenge you as we progress. But I'm going to challenge you that in everything that you find yourself doing, whether it's the workplace, if it's a classroom, your home, certainly here, of course, wherever it is you find yourself on a weekly basis, I challenge you that... If we will get a hold of what kingdom-mindedness truly is, we will truly begin to see situations and people as God sees them. Being kingdom-minded is more than just thinking about what's best for the church. Being kingdom-minded is more than just thinking about what's best for us within the role at our church. But kingdom-mindedness will truly transform the lens that you begin to see people through, and then the lens that you see situations and or circumstances through. Are you with me, everybody? That's the true desire of God. God wants us, you and I, to see people as he sees them. God sees us through the lens of his blood, and he wants us to have the same kind of lens. And if the lens were to have a name, it would be kingdom-mindedness. Excuse me. We see this take place in 1 Samuel 17, 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came in a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. I want you to notice here and we'll move on quickly. It wasn't enough for David to smote or to knock down the issue in his life. I'm just going to speak on that for just a moment. It wasn't enough for David. And in fact, this was a great characteristic that David had, and we'll see it play out with him and the altercation he had with Goliath here in a moment. It wasn't enough for David to strike down the insecurity, the problem, the the altercation that was facing him. But in fact, David went even further than that. And the Bible says that he smote the bear and the lion. And we'll see in just a moment that he smote Goliath. Of course, it wasn't enough for David to strike Goliath with a rock and watch him fall and God do the miraculous. But then David utilizes Goliath's sword to remove the head of Goliath. And he's taking it as far as it will possibly go because he doesn't want there to be any room. Are you with me, everyone? He does not want there to be any room for anyone or anything to receive glory other than God. When you and I begin to live our lives with that such demeanor, when we begin to follow through and take things as far as God will possibly let us take them, we'll begin to see tremendous breakthrough, I believe that. 
David was telling of his past testimonies and how the Lord had delivered him in his time of need. A key to being kingdom-minded is to influence the people around or around you by speaking of what God has done in our lives. <laughs> Every time I'm, I'm in front of a group of people, I, I, somehow my mother works her way into the, into the topic at hand. I don't know if mom's here tonight, but it's something that was, that was grilled into Chance and I from a very young age. Mom has a very unique, distinct ability to turn every negative into a positive. And when you're trying to get someone to agree with you, because the issue at hand is, if you have extreme ownership, there's something you could have done differently along the way to, to make the outcome the way it should have been. However, what I wanted in that moment was for my mother to agree with me and say, how dare that person do that to you? But mom wouldn't do that. And she may have been doing the right thing in the Lord's eyes, but in my eyes it wasn't right. That was just a joke. I want to, be, I want to, I want to see things as the Lord sees them. <laughs> and so, my mother, of all people, has a very unique ability to, to being able to positively, positively influence the people that she's around. You can be taught, I was just having a conversation with her the other day, so I'm going to tell on my mom and I'll move on. My mom calls me one time a week, generally. And when she calls me, it comes up on my phone, and I know that I have to have a 30-minute segment. If not, it's not going to work out in my favor. And so when mom calls, I've got to make sure that I have 30 minutes. And mom can call and start talking about tennis shoes, or her grandkids, my children, or this is going to happen, or they weren't feeling very well, so I decided to give them medicine. And out of nowhere... Talking about shoes or what's going on anywhere else, mom will say, but I just wanted to call you and let you know that God's got everything in control and whatever you're going through today, it doesn't really matter because we're a kingdom-minded people and you have the right people in place in your life and if you have an issue, reach out to them or by all means reach out to me, but I want you to know that everything's going to be okay, to God be the glory, and she hangs up, I don't even get to say bye. She doesn't even allow there to be a negative response. That's another, that's another superpower mom has. She may say something and you want to, re, want to have a rebuttal, but she doesn't give you the opportunity. She's in and out. She's like the Lord. She's always on time, but she's, she's out everywhere. Okay, number two, everybody. We've got to be able to influence people with our speech and our testimony. Number two, a willingness and desire to serve. Now, you spend any length of time at New Life at all and you will hear the words willingness and serve often and it's very appropriate I thank the Lord that we have a pastor who does not ask his congregation to do anything that he has not done and is not doing I'm 30 years old I've gone to New Life Fellowship for 30 years I was 7 years old when pastor came and there's never been a time that pastor has encouraged the church to go on a fast before he had started fasting. There's never been a time that pastor has, has instructed the church, the congregation, or even people who maybe don't consider themselves part of new life yet. He hasn't instructed anybody to do something that he has not done himself, and I'm thankful for that kind of leadership here. And through that example, you and I have to then carry ourselves the same exact way. I, I'm learning that through the process of managing people, it's I can't ask them to do something if they don't see me or they don't understand that I'm willing to do the same thing that I've asked them to do. 
And that's exactly, exactly what we should be instructed to do in the church as well. A willingness and desire to serve. Being kingdom-minded is to have a servant's heart. Now, growing up at New Life, if someone came and gave you the compliment, you have a servant's heart, it usually meant start stacking chairs. <laughs> we don't have to do that too much here. A long time ago at the North Campus, we put out a lot of chairs each week and then had to take them down and, and use them in different areas of the campus. But it was a compliment. You have a servant's heart. That, that it was, you, had to, you had to read through that. Okay, now what needs to be done here? And, and, and it is, being kingdom-minded is having a servant's heart. It is reaching out to the poor and needy, even if we don't benefit from it ourselves. How, how opposite thinking is that today? Doing something not expecting it to benefit us in any way, shape, or form. That's truly kingdom-minded, ladies and gentlemen. It's knowing that we have a treasure laid in heaven for us. And whatever transpires here, all we want is for God to get the glory because we know our true reward is coming in the future. Amen. Serving in the community is as important as serving in the church. I came across somebody, I shared this with the young adults a few weeks ago. My, my wife has told me that I have a mean resting face. And just when I'm in thought or very relaxed, I'm in a very good mood. She says, it looks like you want to hurt someone. And so I'm working on that. And I happened to be going into the gas station the other day. I was pumping gas and there was a lady next to me. And when I walked by, her and I coincidentally confronted one another. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I smiled. Thank the Lord. And she smiled back at me. I, I, was, I was thankful she smiled. And I walked in and, and did my thing. And on my way back out, she confronted me. She said, sir, sir, I, I'm sort of embarrassed to ask you, but would you mind looking at my vehicle for me? Now, clearly, the Lord didn't speak to her because I know nothing about vehicles whatsoever. She had her hood up and there was smoke. And it was just to me, it's, that's, there it is. There's the, that's one motor carriage right there. This vehicle is red. So, I obliged and said, well, I, I truly don't know very much, but I, I'll, I'll see, see if I can help you. And if nothing else, maybe we can get in contact with somebody that can pick you up. And so as I began to look, of course, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and she, as I was looking around trying to pretend like I knew what I was doing, she leaned over the other side and she said, you know, I'm so sorry if this is taking you away from your day. But when you were walking in, you smiled at me and it made me feel comfortable enough to ask you. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and I, I want to make sure that even when we're at the gas station, that we have the frame of mind to be kingdom-minded. That sometimes it's just a smile or a wave of your hand or holding the door for somebody that peels back a layer of their life and allows them to be vulnerable for just a second. And allow you to open up your mouth, and then once you've opened up your mouth, God will anoint the words that are going to come out because He's already anointed the action He's going to anoint your words and whatever you're putting in is going to come out. So hopefully Wednesday night Bible study, midweek Bible study is in your brain and in your mouth. So tomorrow whenever you come across somebody at your workplace or at the grocery store or at the gas station, what's going to come out is, you know, God knows what he's doing with you. And it, has to, it can be something as simple as that, and, and I'm encouraging you for that. It's, it's got to be the willingness, the willingness to serve. As we previously read in 1 Samuel, when David's father Jesse instructed David to go and serve the captain and David's three older brothers, it was David's willingness to obey his father, there it is, and go serve, that's the key word there, his brothers, that opened the door to God utilizing David to do the impossible. We know that David was called, we, honestly, or we, we can clearly see that David was anointed, Right? 
But it was the small decisions or seemingly small decisions that David would make on a constant basis that actually turned the knob of the door that the Lord wanted him to walk through. If it wasn't David listening and obeying his father and going to do what no one truly would want to and check on his brothers and deliver a little bit of food, even though his brothers would give him a hard time about it. It's what opened the door to allow David to rule Israel in the future with, can I say, an iron fist simply because the people of the nation knew that David was called and anointed by God. Can I just tell you, it's difficult to be used by God if you don't show up. It's the, sim- it's the simplest things that we often leave out in life. And it, when we leave out the simplistic things, it brings on frustration. And so just showing up to serve. I, I have a really cool story. There's some, a, a couple of the young adults, they said, hey, we, we want to serve. We want to do more. Pastor had preached a sermon and they were convicted and not only convicted, it, it pushed to action. And I was so thankful for that. We want to serve. And I said, you know what? Right now, this has been uh, two years ago, maybe. Right now, uh, the children's department, the children's ministry desperately needs help. And as 20-year-olds, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. And they thought they were doing me a favor by saying, that's not me. I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not good at that. Put me somewhere where I can thrive. And so I said, I understand what you're saying. However, take advantage of the opportunity and, and allow God to open another door. And so about six months pass, and they're in a rotation now, and they're working with it. And we happened to run into each other in the altar and I put my hands on them and prayed for them because the last time we had some sort of conversation along those lines was whenever they accepted. And we had checked in a couple times, but they said, we're working at it, we're working at it. And as I began to ask them what they wanted to pray for, they said, hey, I just wanted you to know, this is the greatest ministry I could have ever have chosen to be a part of. Can I just tell you that sometimes it's just the choice that opens the door for God to utilize you. Can I just say to you, and I hope I'm not stepping out too far here, can I say to you that we are in a season, not just in this church, but as a movement even, where the spirit of frustration is very easily attainable. Frustration in the the trajectory that New Life Fellowship is on and the speed that we are moving towards the kingdom If we aren't careful, we will become very easily frustrated because it will seem as if there isn't anything for us to do. But can I just encourage you here tonight? Volunteer anywhere that they will take you. And if they say no, show up anyway. I'm going to get phone calls about that one. We had 200. (laughs) Praise God. Show up anyway and do whatever needs to be done in the moment and watch God. I'm telling you, watch God bless you in such a way. He's going to reveal things to you. He's going to reveal the calling that's on your life. That's the big question today. What am I called to do? What is it that the Lord desires for me? I can tell you it's very easy. The Lord desires for you to serve in every capacity. And New Life Fellowship is a great tool and we have many tools here that will allow you to be used by God. Everybody said amen. All right, you're in now. You've, you've pledged. Okay. Number three. So number two was a willingness and desire to serve. Thank you for doing that. And number three here, God's priority and not our own agenda. God's priority and not our own agenda. agenda. Being kingdom-minded is to put God's agenda before our own. That's, that's tough. It's just tough. Our number one priority should be furthering God's kingdom by sharing 
of God's love, peace, joy, and grace. One of the the frequently asked questions that my wife Sierra and I, uh, we find ourselves being asked by the young adults is, um, we're encouraging people to, 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 to do some type of Bible study. And at first it was us pushing them to, hey, you need to, you need, to, you need to find somebody and, and, and just give them a Bible study. You need, to be, you need to be familiar with what needs to be communicated to the people around you. And, and what we quickly found out, probably not quickly enough, but what we found out was is that some of the younger generation and, and maybe the older generation, it wasn't that they didn't know what information to share and they, it wasn't that they didn't believe that the Bible was true and it wasn't that they didn't know the Word of God. It was that they struggled on the simple basis of being able to make a friend. They were struggling. It, it was difficult for them simply because it would have, what they want to communicate to them about the Lord would be one of the first things they've ever said to the individuals in their classroom or on their job site or wherever it is they would find themselves. And so they found it awkward. In fact, some of them were bold enough to try and they got turned down a few times simply because there was no line of communication there. It was the knock on the door and then wanting to be greeted with, hey, let me tell you something about Jesus. And sometimes that's effective. I'm not saying anything negative about that. However, God's priority is for us to befriend people everywhere that we go so that whenever God is ready to speak to them, whenever you are going to be utilized by God, the relationship, the foundation has been laid And whenever your mouth is opened and words begin to come out, they're received on fertile soil simply because the person that you're communicating with knows that you care about them beyond your own agenda, beyond what you want to accomplish, beyond wanting people at New Life to see how many people you get to attend church on a Sunday, beyond being able to share in a negative connotation that you were doing the work of the Lord when in all actuality you may be hurting the kingdom of God. Now again, I don't, I don't want to come off as, as, as being negative in any way. I'm encouraging everybody in this room and, and anyone that, that, that would hear it to share the word and the love of God with everybody you come across. But it's important for us, everybody. You've got to know how to make a friend. You've got to know how to love somebody. Hear me. This is just what's fresh on my mind because I get to deal with with, with young adults and they're leaving high school and going into college or, or starting a full-time job. And I've, I've learned that they, you know, because of holiness and what we know to be right in the kingdom, it immediately creates a barrier between them and, and those who may not be aware of, of holiness or be aware of the sacrifices that an apostolic makes on a daily basis, all of which are appropriate. All of which are appropriate. However, I'm encouraging you regardless of what the individual may look like and regardless of what they've even said in the past or what they may say in the future, regardless of how you feel in your own heart, don't let it keep you from loving them. My mom, here's my mom again. She always says, kill them with kindness. Whatever it is you say, you love them and you be kind to them because whenever they come to you, they're going to know to expect it and then it's going to open the door for God to speak to them. Can I just minister to you here God has put you where you are for a very specific reason. I just, I feel this. Forgive me if it's just me, but I feel this in the room. Wherever it is that you're employed or wherever you find yourself on a daily basis, maybe you're at home for now, taking care of the house and making it a home and taking care of your children or 
If your children are grown and you're in this time of life that you're not too familiar with yet, let me just tell you, God knows where you are. He does. And he wants to utilize you exactly where you are. And whenever we become fully kingdom-minded, we will begin to see people in situations as God sees them. And the door will then be open for us to be used again. Listen, your season of anointing is not over. I feel that in the room. Your season of, of what God has called you to do is not over, ladies and gentlemen. You are where you're supposed to be right now, here in October in 2022. You're right where God wants you to be. Amen. All right. So God's priority and our, our own agenda, number three. The men in the camp of Israel were focused on how the suitor would be praised if he were to indeed defeat Goliath. Here it is again. Here's man putting their agenda before God's agenda. They viewed defeating Goliath. It wasn't watch what God can do, but rather it was what are we going to get if we are to defeat him? Sometimes we come against obstacles in our life and we're quick to say something because sometimes flesh rises up a little bit and we want, we want to be praised for overcoming something. And we do want there to be a testimony in our life. But if we aren't careful, the testimony that we want to arise will simply be so that we can have attention or we can look better. But that's our agenda. God's agenda is, look, I'll allow you to, to, be, to be within this trial for now, but there's going to come a time that I'm going to pull you out. But when I do, the timing will be right and the place will be correct. And everything will happen the way that I need it to happen because his agenda is greater than our agenda. Do you agree with that tonight? The Lord is a big picture God. He's a broad stroke. He's, a, he's painting on a big canvas. Sometimes we can only see our life. And we're thankful the Lord holds our world in the palm of his hand. But that's the thing. Sometimes we never get, get outside of, of our world. We're stuck there. And that's exactly where these men were here. Verse 25. The king will enrich him with great riches. Here's what they're saying. If we defeat Goliath, this is what we'll get. And will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. David's kingdom mindset in and David's kingdom, uh, or David says in verse 45, Thou comest to me with the sword and the spear and the shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David willingly puts himself in harm's way. I want you to listen to this, everybody. This is, this is what the Lord has for us tonight. He willingly puts himself in harm's way uh, so that God can get the glory in the saving of the Israel army. God is looking for us to take advantage of opportunities in our life that present themselves. Think of this with me, and here it is. I really want you to grasp this. What if, I'll pose the question, we'll do it that way. What if issues and circumstances that arise in our life are allowed by God just so, here it is everybody, he can prove himself to us, and more importantly, he can prove himself to those around us. That's kingdom-mindedness. When we are kingdom-minded, we will see things in life through spiritual eyes. Problems and issues in life will become opportunities and testimonies when perceived by a kingdom-minded individual. Acts 20 and 24 states this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Can I just submit this to you here this evening? What if, we'll pose the question, what if wherever it is you see yourself, and some of us in this room, life is good, and I'm thankful for that. But what if where you are 
is being allowed by God because that's how much he trusts you. That's kingdom-mindedness. Whenever you can begin to perceive issues, and, and sometimes that's how we see things. This is an issue. This is a problem. There's a barrier here. There's something that I'm not able to overcome as easily as I thought I would be able to. God, where are you? What if, everybody, what if, ladies and gentlemen, God allows us to bear certain things Because that's how much he trusts us. We've got to change our mindset. We have to change our thinking in this room here tonight. We have to change our mindset from, this is something that I just simply can't overcome, to this is something that God trusts me enough to be in the middle of, and God's going to get me out of it. This is an opportunity that I've been praying for. Hear me, everybody. We'll find ourselves praying, Lord, I want to be used by you. Use me. I'll do whatever it takes. Maybe that's a, a juvenile prayer. I'll do whatever it is you ask of me, whatever, wherever it is you want me to go. And oftentimes in our mind's eye, we're seeing Fiji or, or some tropical location. Wherever You want me to go to Florida, Lord? I'll, I'll go to the Gulf Coast. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, wherever it is you want me to be. And all those places are wonderful. However, the situation that you are currently in right now is simply another opportunity for God to receive the glory. Are you with me in this room, everybody? I believe that to be true for this group of people here tonight. Wherever it is you find yourself, it is an opportunity for God to receive the glory. Let me receive, let me, uh, let me, um, allow me to prove this to you. I came across this last week in my Bible reading. Acts 16, maybe you're familiar with the, with the story. It's the story of Paul and Silas. They find themselves, the Bible says, that the hour had come at midnight and they were trapped in this prison. They begin to worship God. There was a great earthquake. Prison doors swing open. It's an awesome thing. It's crazy. I've heard it preached. We all maybe have. Awesome, powerful move of God. God proves himself. Yet it was interesting to me in my Bible reading last week that it wasn't, it wasn't a, a jailbreak so that they could escape immediately, but rather that was the situation that God had allowed to happen in order for him to open the eyes of the jailkeeper. Are you with me, everyone? And if Paul and Silas would have simply gotten up and ran out of what once had them bound, God would have not been able to do all of what he wanted to complete. Are you with me now? I feel the Holy Ghost. Where you are right now, God wants to free you, but there's something he wants to prove to you inside of the battle, the the conflict, wherever it is you find yourself right now. And so what happens is Paul and Silas say, you know what? We're kingdom minded. This isn't enough for us. God, what do you want to do to those around us? And they find the jailkeeper, the Bible says, and he's about to fall on his own sword. He's going he's to take his own life. And Paul speaks out and starts to minister to him. And because they stayed where God, had, where God was freeing them, because they stayed and allowed God to complete the work that he had started. Are you with me? The Lord not only changed the life of that jailkeeper, but the Bible says he changed the life of his family. The Lord wants you to minister to people around you because he's not just interested in your coworker, but he's interested in your coworker's family. He's interested in, in the people that you do not know yet, or maybe you'll never get to know truly. But God is so desperate for a relationship that he'll do and use whatever it takes in order to get to everybody he possibly can. They weren't just satisfied with the jailkeeper, but they, they moved on to his family. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the epitome. It's the essence of kingdom-mindedness. Being so focused and so willing to stay where you are for the moment. I get it, where we are in life, where the way society is now, it's go, 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 go. But being willing to sit still and listen 
and do a work where you are currently and then allow that work where you are to open the door somewhere else. I want to share this with you. We went one through three here. We're going to go on to another list. It's four tools and practices to help us remain kingdom-minded. So we've talked about being kingdom-minded. It's, it's, it's more than just church attendance, but it's seeing. It's being in a place of prayer and fasting and, and then being able to sit down and focus on the Lord, giving the Lord time to speak into our life that will then begin to change the way that we perceive information and will no longer begin to see negative things as negative things, but instead it's just an opportunity for God to operate. So being kingdom-minded now, four tools and practices to help us remain that way. Number one, and this, is, this will be something that you can feel, fill in. This is going to blow your socks off. Prayer, devotion, and here's the big one, Meditation. I've heard a lot about prayer and devotion in 30 years, but it was Sister Shock actually some time ago that, that turned me on to, to meditation. I know, I, I know that the Lord is never going to say something that, that goes beyond the, the lines or the border of what he's already written down in his book. And so when we open up the word of God, that's exactly what it is. When you say you need a word for your life, that's what the word of God is. It is a word for your life. However, I've learned that in prayer and devotion time, I've also got to give time and, and be quiet and quiet down the things in my life so that I can not only hear the voice of God, but learn his voice. So when he's speaking to me, I can recognize it immediately. That's the beauty of meditation. I'm encouraging you. I hope that you start your day the same way every day. This is something that Sierra and I have learned. We have to start our day the same way every day. If you wait until the end of the day, you'll never have time. I get it. There's always time earlier in the day. So what do I have to do? I've got to get up. Well, before I had to get up at 4 a.m., but I've got to get up at 6. I've got to get my prayer and my Bible reading in, but I've got to leave. I've got to leave some time in there for the Lord to say what he wants to say. Because whenever you begin your day that way, ladies and gentlemen, and it's been communicated from here before, but I'll reiterate it. It's certainly not from me, but I've, I've known it to be true because I'm practicing it in my own life. When you start your day, even if it's five minutes with a conversation with the Lord and opening up the word of God, opening up your Bible, that is exactly what you will filter the rest of your day with. You're going to be kingdom-minded. God's given us the tools already. It doesn't take a unique ability or some great gift or talent. And this church is full of all of that. But what it takes is for someone to be willing enough to say, you know what, I'll give of the most precious thing on the planet. There was a billionaire a few weeks ago who, who was he's forcing or, or pushing a lot of money to try to figure out a way to buy himself more time, all different sorts of avenues and, and really silly things, but he has such a, such a collection of money that really he can push large sums of money in certain directions and, and it doesn't really mean too much to him. Rich and poor, it doesn't matter. Old, young, the greatest, most valuable thing in our life is time and when you start your day the same way every day you pray you read your bible you do devotion and then you leave time you do some meditation for the lord to speak i'm telling you and if you're if you're really moving you'll give yourself time to write down whatever it is you read that day 
and then allow that to be the filter that you filter the rest of your day through. Okay, amen. Being kingdom-minded, or or, uh, excuse me, spending quiet time with God in devotions and prayer is a great way to stay kingdom-minded. This time will help you build your relationship with God and learn more of what he has in store for you, everybody. Prayer without the word is like having a flat tire. Prayer gets you in the car, but the word of God will move you down the road. I don't know if somebody else said that. I came up with that as I was typing that out, and I shared it with you. (laughs) Meditation is your time to listen to the Lord and learn his voice. God wants a relationship with you, and if you can learn his voice, my dad can say my name to this day, and the hair on the back of my head still stands up. He just has that tone. I know my father's voice. I know my mother's voice, and that's because she won't stop calling me. Okay. Number two, just a joke, everybody. I'm sorry. Number two, faithful to the church house. Faithful to the church house. You all know about that because you're here tonight. (laughs) You've already checked that box. Thank you. That's awesome. Attending church is a great place to not only learn more about God, but also to be in constant contact with like-minded believers. Our church family will encourage you and walk alongside you in your journey to be more kingdom-minded. Our pastor is led by the Lord, and thus, when we obey the shepherd of our lives, we are blessed. Can I just tell you, when you allow your, or when you get you and your family together, and you put yourselves under the umbrella of your pastor, it keeps you from a lot of stuff. And whenever you follow the shepherd of your life, you can remain in the will of God because you are under his spiritual authority, his spiritual umbrella. I encourage you here tonight, you have got to be here every time the doors are open. And I've heard that Derek has become a little more laid back and he may even give out keys now. And that's only because we're going to have different keys when the, when the Lord gets us in the new building and they won't, they won't work. <laughs> so get them while you can and they're, they're able to be utilized. That's a terrible joke. I'm sorry, Derek. That's bad. Could be true though. The time we spend together here is so valuable. This, this, is where, this is where memories are made. This is where I find strength not only for the week, and, and Pastor has taught me, he's taught us, I've had to learn. Sunday is not the end of some extravagant weekend, but instead it's the first day of the week. So, yes, my wife and I and our family Our schedules revolve around the church and the church house. Our schedules revolve around the kingdom. This is where God uses us, and we're used outside of new life as well. But because of new life, we have a great network and a great group of people that we can not only influence, but we can be influenced by. So ladies and gentlemen, our lives revolve around the church house. Whatever goes on here, we aren't here because we feel like we have to be. We're here because we want to be. And I'm believing it's the same for you here tonight. Can I just tell you, my, my, my parents are not, are not necessarily wealthy. However, they have given me something that will last forever. It will live well beyond their life and even mine. And hopefully it's, it bleeds in, or not bleeds in, it's, it's going to be in my, my children's life. It's the relationship with our pastor and pastoral team, and staff, and finding out what you can do on a weekly basis to be involved, and the Lord will begin to bless you. Hear it, everybody, and I'll move on. Being kingdom-minded is not thinking that the only blessings that God can give us are monetary. I've gotten mysterious checks in the mail, too. Thank the Lord. I've, I've had 
bizarre stuff turn up. I've found stuff on the side of the road. And the Lord has blessed me in many different ways that added into being money. However, the greatest blessings of my life and the greatest blessings of your life are those sitting around you right now. What we are able to partake in here on a weekly basis, Sunday to Wednesday. I've got rehearsal on Tuesday. There's food pantry every third Thursday of the month. Men's prayer is on Tuesday nights as well. Women are doing the same thing. There are opportunities here for not only you to get plugged in, but for you to increase your ability to become more and more and more kingdom-minded. And before you know it, you will not be able to operate outside of the kingdom of God. Everything that you do will be to influence the kingdom. And things that mattered yesterday no longer matter today simply because we know and we understand the God that we serve and what He desires of us. And here's what happens. What is important to God becomes important to us. And can I just tell you, the church house is important to God. It's important. Number three, become <laughs> more missions oriented. I tried to say that in a, in a good way. Get involved in missions. Support a missionary. Pray for a missionary or go on a missions trip. I'll talk about that in a moment. These are great ways to get involved in furthering of the kingdom. Supporting a missionary financially and in prayer uh, is as important as going. Help in the way you think God is calling you. Here's, I'll share this with you as well. And maybe you're not in this season of life, but, but maybe you are. I've, I've had people approach me or seen them approach other people and the call of God is on their life. It is. And the first thing that they want to do is leave. I've got to go somewhere. I've got to go somewhere where people aren't inhibited. I've got to leave the United States and I'm all for it. It has to happen. The, whole, the entire gospel to the entire world, the whole gospel to the whole world, it's, that's kingdom-minded, I get that. However, I've, I find it difficult for God to start utilizing us abroad before we allow God to utilize us, utilize us where we are currently. I believe that you're called to, to the different parts of Africa. I believe that you can go to challenge, uh, to, to challenge nations. I believe, that, I believe that's the calling on your life. I truly do. And I'll pray with you and rejoice with you when, whenever that takes place and God opens that door. However, I know that oftentimes God does not open the door. I'll leave it at that. God sometimes does not open the door when we aren't busy where we are currently. There's someone that you pass by on a daily basis or a weekly basis that is desperate for a change in their life. And they are just as important as the person who has never heard the gospel somewhere on the other side of the world. And can I just say, the moment that you get busy here, you've got to try it for yourself before, you, before the testimony arises in your life. It's, it's been in mine and I hope that it continues to happen. It will. However, you've got to test this out on your own. You have got to get busy. You have got to love people as the Lord loves them. And that means getting beyond yourself. I had to find out the hard way I have a poor resting face. It was hurting my influence on people. And my dad said, see, that's fine. That's how, sometimes that's how I want to influence people. Leave me alone. I'm just teasing. Sorry. That was bad again. I'm sorry. It'll be better at the end. But it's, it's, having, it's having the drive and the ambition to be utilized by God where you are currently. And then allowing God. Let me tell you, when God opens the door, no man can shut it. It, that's the word of God. It's true. You, utilize, you be utilized here and you bless missions here. You give as much as you can. 
Preston Sherman, God bless him, and he did. He sold two or three donkeys for, for Move the Mission. And that young man wanted a horse, and God blessed him with a horse. He gave up three donkeys. I don't know what the variable is. I don't know how that computes. But he gave him something that he had, and God gave him the desire of his heart because he was a real McCoy this year and gave at least $1,000 on his own, if not more, which then went into giving over $40,000 and moved the mission. That's our, that's our young adult and youth. I'm, I'm thankful, and I know that you're doing this simply because it's become the passion of the younger generation here at New Life. Can I just make this statement, and I want you to receive it, everybody. The future of the apostolic doctrine, it's in good hands because God is good, but it's in good hands because the generation that is up and coming has got it. Can I just tell you that the generation that's behind us and with me or behind me has got a love for Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, they're not infatuated with tangible things. They're not about the things of this world, but instead they're willing to sacrifice now and they're laying a foundation now so that it only becomes exponentially greater in their future and in their family's future and those that are around them. Can I just tell you, they're positively influencing people because they decide, you know what, I'll go to Java Hope, I'll go to Starbucks, but I'm not spending $8 on a milkshake. By the way, that's what you're doing. That's not coffee. That's a milkshake. That wasn't from the Lord. I just, I know that to be true. I don't know why this coffee so much. It's not. They just gave you a milkshake. Okay, I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. (laughs) We've got to become more missions-oriented in everything that we do. Everything that we do. Everything you do is a mission. It's a mission. You've got to be on a mission every single day. Well, that's exhausting. That's okay. Be tired. It's no big deal. I'm an energy drink guy. I gave it up for five days and said, you know what, that's enough. And I got one again. It's okay. The coffee drinkers get on to me and say, I can't believe you're drinking that Red Bull. This is 80 milligrams of caffeine. There's 96 in your cup of coffee. I'm sorry. I don't know where that's coming from. It's just coming out. I apologize. You can cut that out. Those online, forgive me. (laughs) Becoming missions oriented. Number four, last here. Bring God into all daily activities. I'm learning this. He's got to be there. If it's ending the conversation with something positive, if it's letting every time you open your mouth being the opportunity that you're telling people how good God is. I found this out in the process of making friends, especially with those who, who don't attend my general assembly. In making friends, I've learned how to, how to give information because when, when I give information, I'll get information. It's, it's the... It's the byproduct, it's trust. Whenever you're willing to share your life with people, they're willing to share their life with you. I'm learning that. And so I'm learning what questions to ask people in order to get to know them on more than just a surface level. It's, hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, how are you doing? And I could say I'm doing well and we could move on. However, it's gotta be more than that because it is more than that to me. I'm doing great. For a while I said, I'm awesome. You are? I'm sorry. Let's, let's go back. I'm doing very well today. <laughs> and just by that simple interaction, it allows a conversation to open up because I want my attitude. I want 
who I am as an individual to influence them before we ever have a long, drawn-out conversation, before we ever go and spend time together, before I introduce them to my family, they're going to know the manner of man that I am. Because I serve a God that is great, and because of what he's done for me, I'm so thankful. However, I also know that I can give something to God that he cannot give himself. The Bible says that worship ministers unto God. Did you know you have that ability? Your worship ministers unto the Lord. You're giving God something he cannot give himself. In fact, you and I are the only creatures on earth that can give that to the Lord willingly. Or we can revoke him and choose not to do it. Everything else on this planet has no choice. They're operating under the function that God designed them to. But he gave you and I this thing called free will and choice. And he said, I'm going to create something that's going to be able to make a choice whether or not they'll love me. And I'll do whatever I can. In fact, he's done what no one else can do. He's done what mortal man cannot. I'm going to create something that's going to get to choose to love me or not. Can I just tell you, when you love the Lord and a byproduct of loving him is worshiping him, you are ministering to God. It arrests his attention and he will soon be wherever it is you are. You are doing something that nothing else on this planet can do. So when you say you don't have any ability or talent or you don't have a calling or whatever it is you want to call it, that's not true. Because God created you with your own unique ability and that is to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's your spirit. That's a little S in the Bible. Your spirit and in truth. And when you begin to do that, doors will begin to open up. You create an atmosphere And you may not lay hands on someone, but you've created an atmosphere for God to operate. And he can then move how he wants to because of something that you gave him. It's kingdom-mindedness. It's understanding, I've made this mistake. The, The youth guys like to play basketball, and I did too a long time ago. And we, Pastor Andrew has set it up to play on Saturday evenings, which is awesome. But man, am I sore on Sundays. And I had to come to the realization, how I feel in my mortal body cannot depict what God, or what I owe God rather, or not just what I owe him, but what I want him to know. Lord, it's just a simple sore leg. It's, 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 it's not much at all, truthfully. However, I'm not going to allow that to inhibit the worship and the praise that God deserves. Not just so that I know God can bless and will bless my life, but because I want to create a place for him to inhabit. The Japanese interpret it this way. I read this the other day. Uh, in, in World War II, Emperor Horohito, he, he, they interpreted the scripture as literally creating a seat for God to sit on. When the, it says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, their interpretation is their praise literally creates a place for God to come and dwell. He's not walking by or coming in and going out, but rather you create a place for him to come and sit with you and he'll remain there until you're done. That's the interpretation. That is kingdom-mindedness. It's not just so I can feel better or that the Lord can bless me with something that I think I need. But it's to create a place for the Lord to inhabit because in doing that, it opens him up to then operate in the lives of people who desperately need God. So when you're at work, worship the Lord a little bit. And it's more than just jumping up and down and lifting your hands and shouting and crying and laughing and rolling and jumping jacks and anything else that may transpire here at New Life. But it's every step you take. It's, every, it's, every, it's everything you do after you wake up the morning. It's, it's whenever you go to sleep at night. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to sleep. You know, the, the, the Jewish rabbis, I learned this my first time in 2011 when I was in Israel. They, they, they have a prayer thanking the Lord for every single thing that they do in the day. 
And their day is very strategically laid out, but it doesn't matter where they find themselves or what situation or circumstance arises. They have such a great relationship with God and they know their book so well that they will quote scripture and then praise God in every single step of their daily lives. I've watched it happen. They thank the Lord when they use the restroom. I won't get into that, but that's a prayer that they pray and that's praise that they give God. I've been at the Wailing Wall on a Friday night and a Saturday when all the grown men are going crazy and it's the, it's the adults that are leading in praise and worship because they have an understanding. They have a lens that they're looking through now. It's called kingdom-mindedness. And they understand that by what they're able to do and the, the attention of God that they're able to arrest, it will change the lives of people well beyond the weekend. What you do on Sunday should more than last you throughout your week. It's being kingdom-minded. Bringing God into all your daily activities allows God to be fully involved in your life. When God is fully involved, you will be able to effectively show God's love and grace in every area of your life. I'm trying to practice something in my own home. That's, in fact, that's false. I'm not trying. I am practicing something in my own home. I'm trying to own everything. Not literally, not purchasing everything that we have. We're blessed. But it's okay with, my, with Graylin. He gets me. And I don't mean he understands me. I mean he tricks me. <laughs> no, he, I'm understanding that whenever I communicate with him, I have to be very, very, very specific. Because if I'm not, he'll take whatever leeway may be in the sentence that I just gave him And he'll push it to the nth degree, if I can say it that way. So if I say, Graylin, I need you to pick up your room. He'll walk over to his room and get in the doorway and, Buddy, what are you doing? I'm trying to pick up my room and I can't. Great job, Dad. You set me up to fail. It's literal. Graylin, I want you to to be good for your mom. I want you you to, to love on your mom when I'm gone. I've got to go to work. Your mom's off today. I want you to love on your mom. And so what does he do? He asks his mom, how do I spell love? And he gets love and he puts a piece of tape on the back and he pushes it on his mom. He said, I loved on mom. It's literal. And I'm, it's teaching me how to communicate with him. But it's also teaching to me also how to communicate with people in having ownership. Whenever we begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to others, can I just tell you, I have learned more and I'm learning more from what I would consider to be failed Bible studies than any sort of Bible study or meeting or conversation that's gone quote-unquote well. I learn more from the failures. And it bothers me so much that I don't want the failures to happen again. I don't want the embarrassment to happen again. And so it pushes me to figure out the answer to whatever questions may have been asked. It's pushing me to be kingdom-minded You know what that means? I've got to look at things differently. Lord, you've got to help me. I I may see an individual, they may seem down on their luck, but how do you see them, Lord? What, what What is it that you have in store for them in this race called life? What is it that you're wanting them to accomplish and how can I help them in that process? That's kingdom mindedness. It's more than, hey, just come to church with me, all of which is appropriate. We've got to do it. However, it's befriending someone And then through your friendship and through you being kingdom-minded, leading them to see God as he sees them. I'll end with this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Would you stand with me, everybody?
Here's what I want our prayer to be in this room before we leave here tonight. Here's the prayer, here's the prayer we're going to pray together. Lord, help me see myself and others as you see them. I don't want to see people as you see them. I, I don't want to see them just as another passerby, trying to accomplish my own thing, trying to do my own thing. I've got so much I've got to do and get accomplished. And we can get so caught up in that. But rather, we're going to pray that the Lord opens our eyes And this week, everybody, I'm going to challenge you, this week, this week, tomorrow, Friday, whatever the case may be, Lord, the Lord is going to put someone in your path. And you're going to be able to minister to them and love them and let them know that they're loved and there's a place for them. And God's going to open the door. And through being kingdom-minded, he's going to bless you, thus blessing the kingdom of God. Would you pray that prayer with me now? In the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this time together. I do. You are a great God. I thank you for your blessings that we cannot contain of health, of families, of friendships, of relationships, God. I thank you for all of those things. They're meaningful and they're pertinent and they're so important for our lives here today. And God, I ask you, I beseech you, Lord, that you would help us to see people as you see them. They would no longer be a co-worker, but the burden would arise in our life and we would be so destined and driven to do whatever we can to positively influence them that you would receive the glory in everything that we do. Send them our way, Lord, and send us to them. Put them in our path, and when they're in our path, illuminate them. We want to see them as you see them, God. Help us to recognize. Let us see them in our mind's eye. Reveal them to us right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. I believe you're putting the the faces of people in our minds right now, of families and friends and distant relatives and maybe those you've had a poor relationship with in the past. God can renew anything. He can heal the brokenhearted. He can touch the minds of people. He can cause people to think differently. He can heal and bind depression. He can can cast out anxiety and all the things that plague society today. We ask all of these things in your name, Jesus. Be with us as we leave here. Continue to keep us safe. And we ask, Lord, that we would show up here on Sunday morning with a fresh fire and a fresh anointing. And we would show up with a fresh vision, God. And the lens that we see through will now be that of kingdom-mindedness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.